Good morning. In today's headlines, former President Trump is suing CNN. Find out why he filed a half-billion-dollar lawsuit against the media organization. Updates on the situation in Florida and some good news for residents waiting for power and internet service. With the November midterm elections just around the corner, federal officials are warning that Russia and China are up to no good. We have the details. North Korea sends a missile flying right over another country. Find out what happened. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning, and I'm Evelyn Lee. It's Tuesday today, October 4th. We're starting off the program with former President Donald Trump, who is suing CNN for defamation. He claims the media outlet used its influence as a leading news organization to defeat him politically. Trump says the network just recently ramped up its attacks because they fear he will run for president again in 2024. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more. The lawsuit was filed in a U.S. District Court in Fort Lauderdale, Florida on Monday. The former president is seeking $475 million in punitive damages and $75 million in compensatory damages. Trump's attorneys say CNN's efforts resulted in them claiming credit for getting Trump out in the 2020 presidential election and that their campaign of dissuasion in the form of libel and slander against Trump has only escalated in recent months. The filing claims CNN tried to taint Trump in the minds of viewers with a series of scandalous, false, and defamatory labels of racist, Russian lackey, insurrectionist, and ultimately Hitler. The complaint notes the network has failed and refused to retract or correct their false and defamatory statements. The filing also notes undercover footage captured of a CNN employee admitting that the company's coverage and negative characterizations of Trump were intended to convince viewers to vote him out of office. CNN said it had no comment on the lawsuit. Trump says he will also file lawsuits against other media outlets in the coming weeks and months. He didn't name any outlets specifically, but collectively referred to them as fake news media companies. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Trump put out a statement late yesterday. He said he's proud to file the lawsuit to begin the process of standing up to fake news and mainstream media. And more political news, federal officials are warning ahead of the November midterms that Russia is working to amplify doubts about the integrity of U.S. elections. Meanwhile, China is interested in undermining American politicians it sees as threats to Beijing's interests. Their aim is to hinder candidates perceived to be particularly adversarial to Beijing. Intelligence officials believe Beijing sees a lower risk in meddling in the midterms versus a presidential election. Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram, says it disabled a sprawling disinformation network coming from Russia late last month. It involves sham news websites and hundreds of fake social media accounts. Researchers also exposed a much smaller network originating in China. It was intended to spread divisive political content in the U.S. From foreign interference to natural disasters, Hurricane Ian knocked out power for over 2.5 million residents after making landfall in Florida last week. But the head of the state's largest power utility has some good news for people still without electricity. Yep, we're ready to go. Okay. Power should be fully restored to most habitable homes by the end of the week. Crews have been working hard to restore the state's electricity infrastructure. State officials say they expect power to be restored by Sunday to customers whose electric infrastructure is still intact. But for some customers, it could be even sooner. 
We expect to have them restored by the end of Friday, which is days ahead of schedule of where we're going to be. The investments that have been made in storm hardening, the concrete poles, the steel poles, the undergrounding, the smart grid technology, all that's coming to bear and it's paying off and we're seeing that occur. Um, it's given us the opportunity to do a lot more repair work than rebuilding. Relatively speaking, it's minor because we're not rebuilding the system. What you don't do is you're not driving down major thoroughfares and seeing two miles of every pole knocked down. And a daring, yeah, sorry, yeah. go well, ahead. No, just one more thing on this story here. About 5% of cases have special situations that could take longer. Those include homes too damaged to receive power and areas with flooding still going on. The time frame does not include homes or areas where infrastructure needs to be rebuilt. And now we're getting to this daring story. A rescue was captured to poli in, uh, by police in Orlando. Officers formed a human chain to save a woman trapped in rushing flood water. The woman was stranded after her car was swept away in the torrent. The Orange County Sheriff's Office says the water was up to 10 feet deep. But that didn't keep five deputies to find a robe and form a human chain to get her across to safety. Search and rescue efforts are still ongoing in Florida. Officials say close to 2,000 people have been rescued statewide since the hurricane hit. At least 100 people have reportedly been killed by the Hurricane Ian in Florida. Over 50 of them were in Lee County. Some are speculating that officials could have done more to evacuate the area sooner. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis defended the county's response when questioned about it on Monday. I want to talk to you about evacuation orders. Yeah, I, you know, honestly, this has been, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me, this has been handled ad nauseum. I, you, I know you can talk about the, these officials. Ask them about it. That's fine. Go ahead, ma'am. Go ahead, ma'am. Go ahead, ma'am. Okay, okay, okay. Stop. 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 Okay. It's been, this has been dealt with. The Lee County has explained what they did. They went through that. I just think that we have so many people uh, that are here working hard, trying to pull themselves up. So many people we need to be helping. We should be focusing on what we can do to do good. We should be focusing on lifting people up and stop incessantly talking and trying to cast aspersions on people that were doing the best job they could with imperfect information. I, I'm always... The Lee County Sheriff says he and other officials warned residents in vulnerable areas to seek higher ground well in advance and that mandatory evacuation notices were issued once forecasts showed Lee County in the probable path of the storm center. It was originally predicted to head further north. Some residents chose to ride out the storm. DeSantis says the state is in the process of deploying 375 of Elon Musk's Starlink internet devices. They will provide internet access to those in impacted areas. And search and rescue teams are doubling back homes along the Gulf Coast after their initial sweep. Officials say emergency crews quickly inspected around 45,000 properties since Ian made landfall last Wednesday. They are now conducting a more thorough search. 46 of 59 school districts that closed ahead of the storm have reopened. Most of the remaining districts are expected to be open by the end of the week. The Supreme Court's new term is underway and it began the session with an environmental case that could impact where you build your new home. It's part of a new lineup of cases that addresses issues like voting rights, affirmative action and elections. We give you the rundown of cases and the issues at stake. And today's Arlene Richards reports. 
Supreme Court justices on Monday struggled to understand how the EPA decides which water the government regulates. In its first case of the new term, justices pressed the EPA to define waters of the United States. The main question is whether wetlands are included in the waters of the United States. The court's decision will impact whether or not landowners can build homes on their own land. On Tuesday, the court will hear a case that questions whether race should take priority when drawing congressional district lines. The case made its way to the Supreme Court after a lower court decided the state of Alabama must create two majority black voting districts rather than one. The question presented is whether or not the state of Alabama's new redistricting plan violates the Voter Rights Act. And over to College Admissions, a nonprofit that advocates for fair admissions, challenges the affirmative action policies of two universities. The court is asked to decide whether or not colleges should stop using race as a factor in admissions decisions. The court will hear oral arguments on October 31st. In an election law case, Republican lawmakers in North Carolina are fighting a top state court decision that found a new voter map was illegal partisan gerrymandering, meaning that it favored Republicans. And in a First Amendment case, the court will hear arguments on whether or not a religious designer must create websites that cater to the LGBTQ community. Can Colorado law stop her from stating her religious beliefs about same-sex marriage? But there's one notable case the court won't be hearing this term. The court rejected MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell's petition to review a defamation lawsuit filed by Dominion Voting Systems. The lower court's ruling that allowed the lawsuit to move forward remains in place. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York. And overseas, North Korea fired a ballistic missile over Japan today over the first time in five years. The launch forced Japan to issue evacuation notices and suspend trains during the flight of the nuclear-capable weapon. The launch was the most provocative weapons demonstration by North Korea this year. This as it ramps up missile tests to build a full-fledged nuclear arsenal. An arsenal that would, could viably threaten the U.S. and U.S. allies. The missile's estimated nearly 3,000-mile flight was the longest by any North Korean missile. Its range was sufficient to hit the U.S. Pacific territory of Guam. And Guam is home to U.S. military bases that sent advanced warplanes to the Korean peninsula during past tensions with North Korea. It's another barbaric action again after the repeated ballistic missile launches, and we strongly condemn this. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken strongly condemned the missile firing. He also emphasized the ironclad U.S. commitment to the defense of South Korea and Japan. From provocation to war, Ukrainian forces have broken through Russian defenses in the south of the country while expanding their rapid offensive in the east. They have seized back some territory in areas recently annexed by Russia. And today's Daniel Monahan has more. Russian military bloggers described a Ukrainian tank advance through dozens of miles of territory. That advance along the strategic Dnipro River resulted in the recapturing of several villages. This is the biggest breakthrough in the south since the war began. Today, the offensive movement of our army and all our defenders continued. There are new liberated settlements in several regions. Meanwhile, the military Southern Operational Command reported the destruction of 31 Russian tanks and one multiple rocket launcher in the south in a nightly update. Kyiv appears on course to achieve several of its key battlefield objectives. This as it strengthens its military position against Russia ahead of winter. 
Ukraine recaptured the city of Liman in the Donetsk province just hours after Vladimir Putin proclaimed the region to be Russian territory forever. I am in high spirits because we are liberating our land. I am depressed because there are losses, wounded. So I am a bit sad because of that. But in general, I have a warrior spirit. Russia's flagging fortunes have led to a shift in mood on state media. Talk show hosts have been acknowledging setbacks and searching for scapegoats. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Billionaire Elon Musk asked Twitter users yesterday to weigh in on a plan to end Russia's war in Ukraine. His plan drew immediate condemnation from Ukrainians, including President Volodymyr Zelensky. Musk proposed UN-supervised elections in four occupied regions. Moscow announced annexation of those regions last week. He also suggested that Crimea be formally recognized as Russia and that Ukraine remain neutral. He asked Twitter voters, Twitter users, to vote yes or no on the plan. Musk says he doesn't care if his proposal is unpopular, arguing that he does care that millions of people may die needlessly for an essentially identical outcome. Zelensky responded with his own poll. He asked Twitter users which Elon Musk they liked more, the one who supports Ukraine or the one who supports Russia. Musk later posted on Twitter that enabling and supporting Starlink in Ukraine has cost SpaceX $80 million so far, adding that their support for Russia has been $0, pointing out they are obviously pro-Ukraine. And we're staying overseas because in Haiti, violence broke out during a protest in Port-au-Prince Monday. Thousands took to the streets to demand the resignation of Haiti's Prime Minister Ariel Henry. Last month, one of Haiti's powerful gangs blocked access to the country's largest fuel terminal, refusing to budge until Henry resigns. Gasoline can only be found on the black market at the whopping cost of $30 a gallon. The high cost of living has driven many Haitians to poverty and hunger. Haiti has grown increasingly unstable ever since the assassination of President Jovenel Moïse in July 2021. Gangs are growing rife as Henri's administration still has no date for general elections scheduled. Those were supposed to be held last year. And just ahead, mortgage rates recently hit their highest level since 2007. We speak to an expert on how to find the best rate possible. Stay tuned for more in just a minute. Welcome back. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is ending another COVID-19 procedure. The CDC says it will no longer maintain a country-by-country -country list of travel advisories related to the coronavirus. The agency notes fewer countries are actually testing or reporting COVID cases, which limits their ability to assess those international destinations accurately. Starting Monday, the health agency will only post a notice for a country if health officials are concerned about a particular variant or if there is another situation that would change the CDC's travel recommendations. This ends the COVID-specific travel notices. It began back in January 2020. The CDC still advises anyone traveling out of the country to stay up to date on COVID-19 vaccines and follow its guidance for international travel. Now let's look at the housing market for a moment because affording a home is a challenge. At least home prices are cooling now, but what about those high mortgage rates? The national average for a 30-year fixed mortgage rate was at almost 7% this morning. That's up from 3.3% at the beginning of 2022. I spoke to an expert who gave some insight on how to save money on those mortgage rates right now. And we're bringing in Laura Adams, a senior real estate analyst at Aceable, to give us advice on how to save money on high mortgage rates right now. Good morning, Laura. 
Good morning. So I read that high mortgage rates actually often distract from the real cost of the loan. So first things first, what should we always look at before getting a mortgage? Yeah, you really do need to shop products and make sure that you're comparing apples to apples, looking at everything like what are all the fees involved, um, you know, any of those sort of hidden costs. Look at that net cost. Um, so the APR or the interest rate, as you mentioned, is very important. But, you know, there are also additional fees that a home borrower must pay. So thinking about what is that, you know, the, the bottom line cost that a lender is going to charge you is very important. And as consumers, really, all we can do is shop around, make sure your credit is in good shape, too. Um, to do a little bit of preparation on your credit ahead of time, if you can, is going to help you get the lowest rate possible. Mm. And so speaking of that, what is would be your top mortgage money saving advice at the moment? Right. So at Aceable, we help folks really get into real estate and online education. And so we recommend working with a professional, finding a really good real estate agent. They can be your best ally as you begin this very important life event. You know, buying a home might be one of the most expensive things that you ever do. So working with somebody who can guide you is critical. As I mentioned, looking at your credit. So, you know, are your finances in good shape? Do you have enough savings? Are you looking at homes that are affordable? Do you know your budget? These are all super important things to consider. Um, so I would say, understand what you can afford, shop around carefully for that mortgage, make sure you are getting the best rate possible, and then working with a professional who can guide you to look at homes that are within your price range. If you fall in love with a home that's too expensive for your budget, you know, that's only gonna lead to heartache. So you wanna really understand what you can afford before you start shopping. Right, and there's also one thing that I start to hear more about, adjustable rate mortgage. They seem to become more popular now because of their low interest rates. So for people that are kind of looking into that, how can they minimize the unknowns that come with that? So a, an adjustable rate mortgage, as you mentioned, it is variable. So what that means is that the rate can actually increase or decrease as it is tied to a variable. So as that variable, perhaps it's the LIBOR, it's an, it's an index that can move around. In many cases, you're capped at how much that could increase per year. So you want to understand the fine print. You know, what exactly does that mean for your mortgage? rate. How much could it go up in a year or even over the life of the mortgage? I would say if you're somebody who is really struggling right now with your uh, with being able to afford a home, an adjustable rate mortgage might be a good idea. Um, it could be a good idea if you only plan to be in a home for a short period, let's say a few years. But if you want to be in a home for a long period of time, getting a fixed rate mortgage might be better for you. Yes, the, the premium or rather the, the uh, payment will be higher on a monthly basis, but over the long run, it may cost you a lot less in interest. Um, so that is something to consider. You know, what is that mortgage gonna cost you for that lifetime that you plan to be in the home? Hmm. Yeah, that's some really interesting insights. Uh, thank you so much, Laura Adams with Aceable. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Today marks the beginning of World Space Week, so next we hear from some young girls and qu the questions they asked an astronaut in space just after the break.
Welcome back. We're actually starting into World Space Week this week. And just a while ago, there was an eight-year-old space radio fan who went viral because she got to chat with one of the International Space Station astronauts. Do you remember that, Kevin? Yes, it was adorable. And you know what? She was just using her dad's amateur radio. Yeah, so let's take a listen again. Mike Zero Lima, Mike Kilo. This is NA1SS. Welcome to the International Space Station. November Alpha 1, Sierra Sierra. Mike Zero, Lima Mike Kilo. My name is Isabella. I'm eight years old. You're five or nine. Thank you. <laughs> Mike Zero, Lima Mike Kilo. This is November Alpha 1, Sierra Sierra. Isabella, it's uh, so great to chat with you. Thank you for getting on the radio and saying hello. Thank you, Fly, fly Safe. Adorable. The dad shared the news on social media and said that this has changed her world. Yeah, and in talk about inspiring the youth, International Space Station Commander Samantha Cristoforetti took part in a project to inspire young girls. She answered some of their questions. Let's take a look. Why did you want to become an astronaut? Growing up, I was fascinated by the night sky and the idea of flying to space and the sense of adventure and exploration. And then I became interested in science and technology. And then I really loved flying. I became a pilot. And being an astronaut kind of brings all those passions and interests of me together. Who will look after you in space when you get sick? Well, I hope I do not get sick. Uh, see, up here you cannot like catch cold because there is nobody who can pass onto you the cold virus. So we made sure that when we come up here, we have not been exposed to any contagious illnesses for a couple of weeks before flight. But then of course, something may happen to you. You might get hurt, for example. And in that case, what we do is like, we call our flight surgeons on the ground and they will give us guidance. We all have some training in medical techniques, and we also have a little pharmacy on board with a bunch of um, medicines and, and medical tools to help us cope with little medical issues. What's the most surprising experiment that you carried out on board of ISS? Certainly one of the most surprising and fun experiments I remember was during my first mission. It was raising various generations of fruit flies here aboard. Can you eat pizza on board? Unfortunately, we have only an electric oven to heat up food bags. Some time ago, though, we found a way to eat something similar to pizza, which wasn't bad at all. That was so interesting. Those kids really ask great questions. And I actually had a phase where I really got interested in their lives and space as well. And it's really fascinating, you know, because you have to reimagine everything that you usually don't really waste a second thought on. So it's like brushing your teeth or like how to drink water. Yeah, you know, Evelyn, I would actually like to ask two things. What is it like being under all that G-force on liftoff? And what's it like to sleep in zero gravity? Yeah, hmm. really good question. How do you not float away? <laughs> and if anybody, actually, I'm just remembering, if anybody or you, you have time later, you should definitely Google Tom Marshburn interview. It's absolutely amazing, and I swear it will it will make your it will make your day. Also, uh, don't forget to write us at goodmorning at ntd.com. We're wrapping up the program now. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee, and I'm Kevin Hogan.